We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. is coming and I know this series contains so much information that at times can be a brain overload I know even today as I was preparing this message my brain was just hurting and that's why we've made available to you CDs podcasts go on the website download these listen to them at work and because I I just think messages like this you're never going to get in one sitting You're going to need to hear over and over again. But remember this, if you don't get anything else from these messages, here's the two key facts I want you to get. Are you ready? Here's the two key facts. Number one, are you living ready? Come on, you've got to live ready. Come on, say with me, live ready. Do you realize that if you live ready, whatever else happens after the rapture, you don't have to worry about Do I hear an amen? You don't have to. This is just knowledge for us, really, that's not going to benefit us in the future. It's maybe going to give us peace now and just help us explain what's going to happen. But the reality is this. If I'm living ready, I'm going to be okay. And then the second key thought is this. I don't have to be afraid. Come on, say, don't worry. Be happy. Come on, that's just a little song I wrote, so I just want to, you know, but we don't have to worry. When we hear these things, we don't have to be afraid. Fear is a tactic of Satan to paralyze us, to take us from the potential that we have in God. And we know that fear is not of God because God himself says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, controlled thinking and able or abling to think in a controlled manner. We know John 10 verse 10. We should know this off by heart. The thief does not come except to what? To steal, to kill and to destroy. But God says, I have come that you may have... Come on, what's my purpose, God says, to give you life. We know the purpose of the enemy, to rob us, to steal from us, to make us be bound by fear. But God says, here's the reason I came. My purpose is that you may have life and life more abundantly. To me, fear doesn't even play in the abundance of life. Come on, God's not even made a little space in there for fear. We don't have to be bound by fear. It's a tactic of the enemy to try to manipulate us and back us into the corner. So throughout this series, we've looked at the question. Here's the question. Are these the end times? Is this the last days? Well, we found a scripture about that. Mark 13, verse 32. But the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. That's talking about Jesus. The angels who are around God don't know. The Son doesn't know. But only God Himself knows. So are we living in the last days? Here's the answer. Only God knows. Only God knows. But according to the observations 
that Jesus gives, you can read them for yourself in Matthew chapter 24. You can read them in Mark chapter 13. When the disciples asked what's going to be the signs of the times, Jesus lists down observations and he says things are going to happen. We see on the news now the Ebola virus that's sweeping. That's, you can read that in those scriptures about diseases and pestilence and, and things and tragedies and earthquakes. It's all in there. And right in the middle is, and the gospel will be preached to every nation. We've identified the fact that through technology, the gospel now has reached every nation. Every people group have been led. So what do we see? According to the observations that Jesus says, everything has been accomplished. Everything has been fulfilled. Everything is ready and prepared to go. We are living, I believe, in borrowed time. So we need to live ready. We need to be alert. We need to be prepared for that day. Then last week we began to look at what will the next events be that will happen. Here's the list. The first next event that's going to happen is revival is going to sweep this world. How that's going to look, we don't know. But I believe there's going to be a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit that's going to hit this planet, that we're going to see revival take place. America, I believe, saw a taste of it after 9-11. The churches were full with people who began to pray. People who didn't even care about God began to care about God and began to pray. But it wasn't something that stuck. But something greater than that as a revival, I believe, is going to sweep across this entire world. And we're going to see that. Then the next event will be the rapture of the church. Come on, those who are saved, we're going to go out out of there. Come on, just go like this. When I say one, two, three, put your hands in the air. You ready? One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting rapture ready. We're ready to go. We're going to be caught up in the air. So the rapture is going to take place. We talked about that. After the rapture, we find that really the future is then divided into two separate areas. Those that we can label as good. Those who are in heaven. That's good. Come on, say that's good. When you're in heaven, that's good. When you're not in heaven, that's bad. Say with me, that's bad. So we see that the events then are divided. Last week we talked about the good aspects, about those who will be gone with God, those who will be in heaven with God. And the third thing that we see that's going to happen then is the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us as children of God are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be judged according to our works, according to our actions, our attitudes. We listed all those things that we're going to be judged. And the Bible says, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 through 15. Read that for yourself. But here's what it says. Everything that's not of any substance is going to burn up in our hands. Only that which is of gold, only that which is precious is going to stand. So when we stand before God, we may go to him with our arms full and say, look at me, I've done all, anything and everything that's not a godly attitude, that's not godly words, not all these, it's just going to burn up. And for many of us, we're maybe going to stand there with nothing in our hands. But don't worry, we're not going to be condemned. We're going to be judged and we're going to be rewarded according to our actions, but we're going to still have a home in heaven. Shout amen. You're not going to lose. There's no back doors in heaven. When you go in the front, you're not going to be kicked out the back. So if you make it, it's good. But we want to not just make it by the skin of our teeth. We want to bust open the doors of heaven. Come on. We want to have goods and we want to have things credited to our account of great things that we've done in this world because we are the means that God has chosen chosen to evangelize and to touch this world. So we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. People say, man, that's going to take forever. That's okay. There's no time in heaven. 
God is not limited by time like we are. So what we may think would take years and years for every person who's saved to stand before God and give an account of all of their life. It's just moments in a timeless place. Come on. And God is going to judge us. And then towards the end of the seven-year period, I thought you said there was going to be no time in heaven. Well, God's not governed by the time, but here on the earth, there's going to be a time of seven years of tribulation. And towards the end of that, we're going to sit down and have a pate with God. Come on, it's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be the party of all parties. It's going to be a feast prepared with you in mind. Come on, some of you fussy people, everything on the menu is going to be to your liking. And you know the best thing about food in heaven? And I said, yeah, there's going to be food. How many's getting excited about heaven right now? Forget the mansion, man. Just put me around the table and I'll be happy. Yeah. You know the greatest thing about food in heaven? No calories. You can eat whatever you want. And ladies, you're still going to fit into those favorite pair of jeans. Come on, guys. You're not going to lose that Atlas man inside of you. You're going to still be ripped because you're going to have a glorified body. Amen. Don't know what that's going to look like, but I don't think it looks much like this. Amen. Don't say amen. It's talking about my body there. You know? But we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. So that's what we've covered thus far. And tonight I want to begin to look at the other side. I've kind of drawn up a chart and, and I hope it will help some of you tonight. And, and last week we covered the top part after the rapture. You can see that with the judgment seat, the marriage supper, the second coming. We covered those things, or really, sorry, uh, and the marriage supper. And then we, we're going to look at the second come in the next few weeks. But that's the good things. And tonight, we're going to look at the other side. So let's just pray as we get ready to go into God's Word. God, I just pray that you'd open up our hearts tonight. And God, again, I pray that no fear would be present. That, God, we would have great confidence in knowing that, God, you've got it all under control and you're taking care of us. And, God, we're going to discover tonight some horrific things that are going to happen to this world. And, God, that's why there's a mandate on our lives greater than ever before. And that is this. Come on, God. We don't want anyone to go down on our watch. Come on, God. We don't want anyone to go down in our families and those around us in our workplaces. God, you've strategically placed us where we are, God, for a specific plan and purpose. And may we fulfill that plan and purpose in Jesus' name. Shout amen. 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 So while we are in heaven, while we're going to be rejoicing, while we're going to be partying in heaven, While there's going to be greatness and celebration in heaven, it's going to be a complete flip side here on this earth. It's not going to be a pretty picture whatsoever. In fact, it's going to be absolutely horrific to the fact that the Word of God says this, if God did not cut the day short, no one would survive it. Come on, that's paraphrased, but that's what God's Word says. If He did not cut the the time short, not one person would be able to survive the magnitude of what is going to take place. And, and again, if you can't see this, at the end of the service, you can come up and take a picture of this, or I'll maybe take a picture of it and we'll post it on Facebook too for those of you so we can really help. So we're going to look at after the rapture of the church, and it's literally going to set the stage. What's the first thing that's going to happen? The tribulation's going to start. But then what's going to take place is the Antichrist is going to be revealed to this world. So the scripture from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. We're going to read quite a lot of scripture tonight, but I think it's really important like we've been doing because I don't want to preach opinion. I want to show you what God's word says. And we need to know what God's word says. And it says this, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, 
we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do not remember that when I do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mysteries of lawlessness is already at work only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And will the all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they, shouldn't, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I want to look quickly, if I could, at verse 7 and 8. It says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. What that is in reference to is around us today, there's already false teachings. There's false people that are saying they're of God and they're teaching people the wrong things. There's already lawlessness to a certain extent that is happening In this world right now. And it goes on to say, only he who now restrains. Only he who now restrains. That he that he was referring to right there is the church of God. The church of God. You may say, well, hold on a second. I thought we're the bride. Surely we should be in the feminine realm, not the he. No, that is in reference to the church of God. We are the church of God is that which restrains. We're the withholding factor right now. If we think that there's grossness, if we think there's evil around us right now, I want to tell you something. The church is restraining and withholding the, the wrath and the outpouring of God upon this world. And when the church is removed, all restraint is going to be gone. And then the judgment of God is going to be poured forth upon this world. So it says only he who restrains, that is the church, will do so until he, the church, is taken out of the way. So until the church is taken out of the way, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, will not be revealed on this earth. I didn't say he would not be born on this earth, but he would not be revealed as a power on this earth. Okay, He would not be revealed as a power on this earth. A lot of people have thrown out a lot of things. President Obama, we think he's the Antichrist. I, I don't believe that. Okay, go give me scripture and truth. I don't, well, the reason why is because he has already been revealed as a leader where the Bible says it won't be until the church is removed that this person will come into a position of authority. Plus, he's not from the division or the place where we believe the Antichrist is going to be coming from. And we're going to show you that a little bit later. Okay, so the restraining force against sin is God's church. Nation of America is blessed. Why? Because God. 
Why are we the most blessed nation on the face of the earth? Because of the God we serve. As we belittle God, as we take his commandments out, we're seeing the effects of this nation and how it's going downhill. But thank God that there is still restraint because of the church of God. But look what it says in verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. After the rapture, after the church has been taken, that will begin the tribulation, the revealing of the Antichrist, okay? Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroying with the brightness of his coming. That's talking about the second coming right here. So there's still a lot of things that's going to take place, but there's a day coming when God's going to come and say enough is enough and he's going to bind Satan and he's going to throw him in the pit that he can never be released anymore. And then we're going to see all of that in the next couple of weeks. So just hang those thoughts and keep with those thoughts. So after the rapture, we're going to see the rise of the Antichrist, which is going to begin a seven-year period of tribulation upon this earth. Seven years of tribulation. During this time, his rise or being revealed and coming to power, the old Roman Empire is going to be restored. If you look biblically, the Roman Empire consisted of ten nations. Ten separate nations, which now during our time actually consists of about 25 nations. Here's the nations that we see now. And in fact, one of them, when I, when, of the books that I studied was Yugoslavia. That no longer is a nation anymore. It's been changed. But if you would look at the countries that are listed in that, which is the old Roman Empire, are actually 25 countries. And they include England, France, Belgium, Switzerland, Holland, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Australia, Austria, sorry, Hungary, Romania, Yugoslavia, Bulgaria, Albania, Greece, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Algeria, Tunisia, and Morocco. Okay? Some 25 nations that used to be the old 10 nations of the Roman Empire. And what's going to happen is, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm telling you it's going to happen because God's word says so. Those 25 nations are going to resort down to the existing 10 nations. Each one of those nations is going to have its own ruling power, its own king, the person in authority over them, separate kingdoms being led by a separate leader. They are going to function independently for a time till the Antichrist rises from what is known as the Syrian division. The Antichrist is going to come from Syria, according to God's word, okay, from Syria. And what he is going to do is his first quest is he's going to conquer Greece, Turkey, and Egypt, restoring what was the Cretan Empire. So his first thing that he's going to do is he's going to take three of the nations, really four of the nations, because he comes from Syria. He's going to take that nation and three other nations, and he's going to have four of the six nations are going to be under his power. Then he's eventually going to take all the other six nations. So he is going to be given power over. They're going to surrender their power. There's going to be maybe some wars. There's going to be some skirmishes. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be some things that's going to take. But most of the time, he's going to come in with such deception that he's going to deceive these people that they will think that they have it better off with being under his power and under his rule. So here he is, the Antichrist, is going to be in control of the world 
what the, the Bible talks about, as in the Roman Empire, when Jesus was born, it was the Roman Empire that was in rule. And he's going to be in rule over the old Roman Empire. And from this position, he's going to sign a treaty. He's going to sign a covenant with Israel. He's going to make a pact with Israel. And he's going to say, listen, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to bring peace. So what is Israel going to do? Israel then is going to receive him as their Messiah. They believe that he would be their Messiah. They're going to call him by name of Messiah. Okay, John 5 verse 43 speaks of that. It says, I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but if another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Jesus was talking to the nation of Israel here. He said, you haven't received me, but someone's going to come in their own name and you're going to gladly accept, you're going to receive them. You see, the reason why the Jews did not accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah was this. He did not set up or exercise an earthly kingdom. They wanted him to come with force and power and to knock out the Romans and take authority that he would be an earthly ruler, thus wiping out the oppression that they found themselves under. And when Jesus came and he said these words, my kingdom is not of this world, they rejected him. They didn't want that because they couldn't grasp that. They couldn't understand that because they thought he was coming as a conquering king. And he is going to come as a conquering king, but it's going to be during the second coming when he comes back again. But his purpose when he first came to this earth was to redeem mankind, to redeem the lost, to make a way for everyone to be saved, that we could be redeemed, brought back to the Father. That which sin and Satan had destroyed, he came to restore. If he had just built a worldly kingdom, it wouldn't have done any good for those who had lived before and those who had lived after. Because when he came as the Messiah, the King of Kings, the spotless Lamb, come on, those before the cross and those after the cross can be redeemed because of his life and what he stood for. So they rejected him. But when the Antichrist comes, they're going to embrace him. And as a result of him being embraced, they're going to rebuild in Jerusalem the temple. In fact, they tell us that everything is in place for the temple to be rebuilt. They have materials. They have everything ready. And they're going to rebuild the temple. And after they rebuild the temple, they're going to begin to offer sacrifices again of animals up. And you know what that's going to do? It may not mean much when we think of it on the outside, but you know what it's doing is it's a slap in the face of God because it's saying your cross and your sacrifice wasn't enough. That we have to go back to the blood of lambs and goats and bulls. And if we read in the Old Testament, the best that they could ever do was only cover the sins. But Jesus didn't come to cover our sins. He came to remove our sins. And he came to take them. But man is going to resort back to the old law, to the way. And he's going to begin to offer up the sacrifices on that. And then what the surrounding nations from the north and the east, people feel that that's probably Germany or Russia, or Germany and Russia rather, they're going to plan to attack the Antichrist. They're going to plan to attack the ten nations. And what will he do? He's going to conquer them too. He's going to take control over them. And the Bible speaks of this in in Ezekiel. You can read it, chapter 38 and 39. And then he's going to be known as the prince of Meshach and Tubal. He's going to be a prince of those areas too. 
And then that will be the fullest extent of his kingdom. The Antichrist is not going to be a worldwide dictator. It's not going to have power over every part of the world. It's the old Roman Empire plus the other area that we talked about that he's going to have rulership. Nations are going to be surrounding them and, and all those kind of things. Okay, So he's not going to have the entire world as we know it. And at this time... And during all this time where he is coming and he's establishing the Roman Empire and he's having a covenant with Israel, what we understand is this is the beginning of the first three and a half years. And during these times, the sealed judgments of God is going to be released upon this earth. There are actually seven sealed judgments that are going to be released upon this earth. And those sealed judgments are this. Let me find out where they are. The first judgment is known as the rise of the Antichrist. That's going to be a judgment. Then there's going to be war. Then there's going to be famines. Then there's going to be death and hell. Then there's going to be the martyrdom of the saints, the wrath of God. And then there's going to be silence in heaven for half an hour. And it's going to take place through all these times that the seal's judgments are going to be poured forth. That he's going to find Christians, he's going to oppose them, he's going to kill them, he's going to destroy them. Why? Because he wants to wipe out any trace that there is of God. You may say Christians, yeah, there's going to be people who are going to get saved after the rapture. It's going to be people who are saved in the tribulation because they're going to realize, man, I missed it. And they're going to give their hearts, but hold that thought because we're going to talk about that. But then, as a result of this, the next thing that's going to happen is this. God is going to save 140,000 Jews. There's 12 tribes of Israel. 12,000 from each tribe, whoever they may be, I don't know. But God knows. And he is then going to place a seal. He's going to place a protection upon them. Because what then is going to be released is what's known as the seven trumpet judgments. We're going to talk about those in a few moments. But what God does is he first puts a mark, a protection over 144,000. Why? Because we're going to see the devastation that those judgments are going to pour out. And God's going to make sure that he keeps a covenant with his people, with his chosen people, the Jews. And he's going to establish that. So what we're going to see is we're going to see the seven Trumpets. If you would notice, all the punishments of God are poured out in seven, seven, seven. Why is that? That's the number of God. And what is God's number? Completion. So God's going to say, hey, I'm in complete control. And if we would see the judgments and everything that he pours out, it attacks everything that man relies upon. Why? Because he wants to show us and each one of us need to realize that I don't need to rely on the things of this world. My reliance needs to be upon the things of God. My faith, my trust needs to be built on God. Just like when he sent the plagues upon Egypt, they weren't by chance. Every one of those plagues had to do with a God and a deity that they worshipped. And God said, I'm greater than, I'm greater than, I'm greater than, I'm greater than. God was showing his greatness. God was flexing his muscles. And what we're going to see towards the end of the three and a half years of the first portion of the tribulation is the seven judgments that's going to, or the trumpet judgments. I've got them if we could go to the next one. The first one is known as hail, fire, and blood. Look what it says from Revelations 8 verse 7. It says that the first angel sounded and hail and fire followed. And it was what? Mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth and a third of all the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. You've got to remember, as fire and hail falls down, 
it's not just trees and everything that's going to be affected. Anything that's standing in its path is going to be affected. But we see that it's very specific that one third of all the vegetation, the trees, fruit, that which provides not only fruit, but trees provide a big source of what? Air, oxygen. And so we see that, again, the life supply, the supply of food, the supply of oxygen, these things are going to be greatly, greatly, greatly affected. Then God is going to release the second judgment. The second judgment is going to be where one third of the sea is going to be turned into blood. You don't have those ones? One third of the sea is going to be turned into blood. And it says this in Revelations chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. It says these words. Let me grab it quickly. Here it is. Revelations 8, um, verse 8 and 9. And it says, Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of all the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of all the ships that were on this ocean were destroyed. So we're going to see the seas. We're going to see that which produces another source of life. We're going to see ships. We're going to see disaster. One third of all ships are going to be destroyed. Think of the economic effect that's going to have on the world. Tankers, those that are out carrying supplies and warships, just everything, the disaster that's going to happen upon the earth. And then a third trumpet is going to be released. And the third trumpet is going to be this. The drinking water is going to be poisoned. And it says this in Revelations 8, verse 10 and 11. And it says this. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star was Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And what? Many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Remember, God's put his stamp upon 144,000. Why? Because the Bible says many men are going to die. Many people are going to die. Someone's asked the question, well, man, if you can get saved, I mean, what's your chances? I'm telling you, your chances are not good. Your chances are not good. Your best chance is this side of eternity, not next side of eternity. Your best chance is right now. You're playing Russian roulette if you wait until after the rapture. Is there an opportunity? Yeah, but you may not seize that opportunity because if you're not seizing it now, what makes you think you're going to maybe seize it then? Because there's going to be greater deception poured out on the earth then through the Antichrist than what there is even right now. So we can say, oh, I know, and I'll, I'll just make it right then. Hey, the deception's going to be so great, you maybe won't make it then. Because the sin and lawlessness after the restraint of the church, it's going to be almost anarchy on this earth. It's going to be pandemonium. So we see that water is poison. Then there's a fourth judgment or the fourth trumpet judgment, and that is this. One third of the planets will be destroyed. Verse 12 says, Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon was struck, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, likewise the night. Think what's happened here. Because there's not so much sun, the day, a third of the day is going to be lost. Think what that's going to produce produce and what it's going to cause to happen around the darkening, just things being affected. We can look and say, well, that's not really going to affect a lot. It's going to affect tons and tons. 
So much is going to be affected by that because we rely on sunlight for what? For growth, for energy, for power. It's going to be affected. It's going to be cut in a third. And we're going to see that there's going to be more darkness upon the earth. And, and then if we would read verse 13, it says this, And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the mist of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Whoa, 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 whoa. Think about this. Four trumpet judgments have been released. Now an angel's shouting out, Come on, watch out, watch out, because there are three more blasts that are remaining. And you know what the angel's saying? Watch out, because if you think what just happened is bad, hold on, because you haven't seen nothing yet. It's getting ready. It's getting ready. Can you see even though the grace and the mercy of God that he's warning even those on this earth to get ready because of what's about to be poured forth on this nation, on this world? And the five trumpet is going to be this. The Bible speaks that the ground is going to open up and men are going to be tormented by demon locusts. It's going to be a demonic invasion that's going to come. And you can read that. We haven't got time. There's 13 verses to read in all of that. But it says this in verse 6. I will read this. It says, In those days men will seek death and they will not find it. They will desire to die, but death will flee from them. They'll be so tormented. They'll be so uh, just, uh, I, I don't understand how, but God's word says they will to the fact that they'll want to die, but they won't be able to die. Their lives will, no matter what they do, they won't be able to escape the torment. It's going to be absolutely horrific as it falls upon the earth. And then the sixth trumpet judgment is going to be released. And one third of mankind, one third of men is going to be destroyed unbelievable that one third, one in three people are going to be destroyed off the face of the earth. You can read that again in Revelations 9, 13 through 21. But if you read that passage, it speaks about four angels are going to be released and they're going to come out and they're going to terrorize this world. They're going to be destroying mankind. Again, God's put a seal upon his 144,000. They won't be able to touch them. But anyone and everyone else is going to be open game. And God's no respecter of persons. But let me tell you something, nor is Satan. He doesn't care who you are. He's just going to come out to destroy you because all he sees in, in the life of man is this, the image and likeness of God. And that's why he's tried to destroy man from the very beginning. So he can't touch God, so he's going to touch the closest thing to God. And that's you and I in each one of us. And then what we're going to see is the seventh trumpet is this, the judgment. Satan's going to be cast out of heaven. You may say, well, I thought he already was. Yeah, he was dethroned from heaven, but yet Satan still is an accuser of the brethren and he stands before God in heaven. And God's going to say, no more, no more. You're going to be sent out and you're going to be banished from ever. And you can read that in Revelations 11, 15 and 17. And what this is going to do is when Satan's cast out of heaven, it's going to be what's called almost the middle section of the tribulation. It's going to begin the next three and a half years of the tribulation. And the purpose of all these judgments, why would God release these judgments upon the world? What is the purpose of all these judgments? The Bible tells us that the purpose of God is not to destroy mankind. It's not to inflict pain upon mankind. Will that happen? Yes. But the purpose is to purify Israel and bring them back to a place of repentance. 
It's God's desire that Israel and the nation of Israel, his people, will see these things and they will cry out to God and they will repent so God can fulfill the covenant he made with their fathers. And that's why God has sealed these people because he wants to make sure that his people is not going to be completely wiped out and he wants to fulfill the covenant he made with them. But in the midst of all of this, if this isn't enough, what's going to happen is there's going to be kind of a transition period as we step into the next three and a half years of the tribulation. And in that transitional period, what's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to break his covenant with Israel. Three and a half years in, he's going to break his covenant with Israel. That which he thought he had deceived them in and and he's gained the rights and access, he's going to then break that covenant with them. And then he will invade Jerusalem. He's going to defile the temple. And you know what he's going to do? Here's what he's going to do. He's going to set himself up to be worshipped. He now is going to be worshipped. So the temple of Jerusalem is now going to become his White House. It's going to become his Buckingham Palace. It's going to become his capital building. And from this position, for the next three and a half years, he's going to rule that world, the nations, making everyone in those areas worship him. How is he going to do that? He's going to do that with the help of a false prophet. A false prophet is going to be released. But at the same time, a false prophet is released that is forcing everyone to worship Satan. Something else is going to happen. And that is this. Two witnesses are going to be sent to this earth by God. God is going to send two witnesses to this earth, two men. Most people believe that the two men that are going to be sent, the Bible doesn't specifically say, but most people believe that the two men are going to be sent are going to be Enoch and they're going to be Elijah. Enoch and Elijah. Why Enoch and Elijah? The Bible says that neither of them ever died. It says Enoch walked with God and was no more. God took him up. Elijah, a chariot and a horse came down and took him up to heaven. Why is that? God is reserving those people for what? He's reserving them to be his witnesses that are going to come back to this earth. Okay? And as these two witnesses come back to this earth, you've got to understand this. They are still going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I thought the church was gone. Yeah, the church is gone, but God's going to leave his Holy Spirit here on this earth. How do you know that, Pastor Philip? Because if people are still going to have the opportunity to be saved during the tribulation, no one can come to the Father except through the Spirit. And we see this scripture in John 14, verse 16. It says, and I will pray the Father. This is what Jesus is speaking. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. What? That he may abide with you forever. He's going to abide on this earth forever. So what's going to happen is these two witnesses, they're going to be preaching the gospel. And because of technology, all the world is going to see the opportunity. Satellite TV is going to be homed on them. The whole world is going to witness them preaching the gospel. And people are going to be saved during this time. But as a result of them giving their lives to Christ, they won't just be segregated and be put away. They're going to be beheaded. They're going to be martyred. They're going to be punished. They're going to be tortured. They're going to be killed. They're not going to be allowed to live as a result of their commitment to Christ. 
But as I said, also during this time, the false prophet is going to be released. His position is going to be that of forcing worship, that every one of us are going to have to worship the Antichrist. Forcing what? Them to take on the mark of the beast. What will be the mark of the beast? A lot of people have believed that the mark of the beast is going to be the form of, of, of currency at that time. That if you want to purchase anything, if you want to do anything, you would have to have that mark of the beast in order to be able to do that. If you did not have that, you would not be able to purchase, you would not be able to live, you would not be able to work, you would be an outcast, and you would be hunted down, and you would be killed. Why? Because you're refusing to worship. The Antichrist is not going to say, oh, you naughty boy, Let me give you another chance. If you refuse, you're not going to have another chance. You're going to be taken out because you're going to be deemed to be against his power. And he's not going to stand for that. And it says that they will receive his mark. The scripture says this. It says in Revelations 13 and 18, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of man. His number is 666. We'll receive his mark. It doesn't say what that is. It says we may receive his name and or his number. It doesn't say his name, but it does say the number. It's going to be the number of man, which is going to be 666. Now, I don't know if that's going to be an actual 666 or what, but it's going to be something to do with that number that's going to be put upon mankind. And anyone who refuses is going to be automatically killed and beheaded. Anyone's going to be destroyed for their stand. But listen to this also. Anyone who takes on the mark of the beast, the Bible says, will be lost for eternity. After they've taken and after they've bought into the deception, there is no more hope for their lives. Their lives will be destroyed forever and ever. So in the process of this interim period, if you want to say this, that's setting up the next three and a half years, what's going to take place is as the false witness or the false prophet is going about and trying to inflict the mark of the beast and start the worship, the two witnesses are going to be witnessing to the world. They're going to be preaching the gospel, but they are going to be openly killed in the streets. Everyone's going to see them being killed. The Bible says that for three days they're going to be left dead in the streets. And then after three days, they're going to be resurrected, speaking again of Jesus Christ. Three days in the grave, but he was resurrected. They are going to be resurrected and the whole world is going to see this event happen. And then after they are resurrected, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be taken back up to heaven. And at the time when they are taken back to heaven, the 144,000 chosen of God is going to be translated up into heaven with them. They're going to be taken before what's known as the Great Tribulation. The last three and a half years is going to take place. And I want to revisit something I said, and that is this. People have asked, can and will people be saved during the Tribulation? We got a really great question this week dealing with Catholicism and talking about purgatory and asking where does that fit in? Well, here's where it fits in. It's unscriptural and it's unbiblical. There is no such thing as purgatory. The Bible speaks that one moment you're here and the next minute you're either in heaven or you're in hell. And waiting the judgment of God or waiting for what? Waiting for the judgment seat of Christ, but you're okay because you're going to be there. So what's been labeled as purgatory, a holding area, is not even in the scripture. It's not even in the word of God. So we've got to understand there's no holding. Your life and the actions of your life are going to condemn you for your future. God doesn't will that any should perish. 
and that all should have everlasting life. However, if we refuse that everlasting life, he hasn't condemned us. We have condemned ourselves to his judgment. So understand that as far as a holding paddle and lighting candles that we can pray them into heaven, we can pray. Hey, listen, it's nothing we can do. The only thing that can get them into heaven is their own acceptance of Jesus Christ. Come on, it's their confession. Salvation is by no other name apart from Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we've got to confess with our mouths and we've got to believe with our hearts. No one else can confess it for us. No one else can believe it for us. We've got to do that ourselves. So understand that, okay? So they're going to be taken up to heaven. So here, can we be saved during the tribulation? Yes. Because we just talked about how the two witnesses are going to be preached and there's going to be a lot of other people who are going to realize they made a mistake. There's going to be a lot of pastors. There's going to be a lot of churches that are still going to have as many members as they do right now, even after the rapture. Because they're being deceived. But there's going to be some pastors going to be crying out and saying, please forgive me and praying for their people and fighting literally for their lives because they're going to be hunted down like dogs. And they're going to be slaughtered and they're going to be killed and they're going to be annihilated. But yes, they are going to be saved. And, 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 but the persecution is beyond description. So what else is going to happen during this time is that when he breaks the covenant with Israel a lot of the Israeli people, they're going to flee for their lives. They're going to run for their lives. Why? Because just everything they believed is a lie. They're going to flee to the nations around to try and find protection. And it's absolutely incredible when you read the scripture in Revelations chapter 12 and see the protection of God upon his people. Because the Bible speaks about the Antichrist will send his armies out to try and get them back. And you know what's going to happen? The ground's going to open up and swallow them up. Come on, this is the God's words. I mean, this isn't a fairy tale. This is God's word because God protects his own. So what do we see? Let me just go over this again so we get this. If we come through this, we have the rapture, the start of the tribulation where sealed judgments are poured out. Those judgments involve the Antichrist coming in power, him raising up the wars, the famines, the pestilence that's going to happen. In that time, he's going to make a covenant with Israel. God's going to remember his people and put a stamp upon them. Then there's going to be the judgments, that, the trumpet judgments that's going to be poured forth. Releasing what? The mid-period where he's going to break his covenant. And what happens when he breaks the covenant? The false prophet is going to be revealed. The mark of the beast is going to be instituted. But God's still going to have his two witnesses where the gospel is going to be preached. And even though the two witnesses are going to be killed and all that's going to happen, okay, they're going to be resurrected. Sorry, not respected, resurrected. That's my fault. They're going to be resurrected along with the 144,000 that are going to be translated. Israel then is going to flee into the nations around. God's going to protect them. And then it starts what's known as the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation and the Great Tribulation, which is going to be the last three and a half years. And we're going to look at this and we're going to cover that next week. But let me show you what it's going to be. It's going to be then seven vile judgments that's going to be poured out upon this world. And then after that, it's going to be the Battle of Armageddon. And then after the battle of Armageddon, it's going to be the second coming of Christ where we're going to come back with Christ victorious. Come on, we're going to ride in like the cavalry and we're going to save the day and we're going to see victory again on this world. 
And then what's going to happen? There's going to be judgment of the nations. What do we mean? God's going to judge the nations according to how they treated his people. And if the ones who treated his people are right, they're going to be known as the sheep nations. But the ones that turned their back on his people are known as the goat nations. And they're going to be condemned to hell where the sheep nations are going to be allowed to live here on this earth during what? The millennium, the millennial reign right here. So after the judgments bringing the end of the tribulation, there's going to be the millennial reign. And for thousand years, we as children of God are going to live and we're going to work and we're going to be a part of this. Remember last week I talked about when we stand before God, he's going to give us rewards in heaven and our rewards. That's when we're going to live out those rewards and begin those rewards. And we're going to be doing tasks here on this earth and and we're going to be working and we're going to be rewarded. You may say, man, what work? I thought we're going to, hey, it's going to be perfect. During that time and during this reign right here, there's going to be a taste of what God intended this earth to be. Because during this reign, and I don't want to jump ahead, but Satan and all his thoughts and everyone else, they're going to be banned and put away. For So for a thousand years, it's going to be God ruling on this earth and peace and happiness and joy and the lion laying down with the lamb and God restoring all those kind of things. But then that's still not the end. Because even during that time, deception is going to reign. And then Satan's going to be released one more time and thrown into the pit forever and condemned. And then we're going to see the great white throne judgment where everyone who doesn't know Christ will have to stand and give an account of their life. So that, in an essence, I know we've covered a lot, and I hope that kind of makes sense. I've tried to give you a very simplified view of everything because there is so much more. But, you know, unless you really want to study it and search for yourself, then please, we've given you scriptures. Go ahead and do that for yourself. But I believe if you've got a synopsis of this, but the most important thing you need to know is this. Are you ready? The most important thing you need to know is are you ready? And I pray from seeing all of this, one of the things we'll realize is this. We don't want our families left. Come on, we don't want the people we work with left. We don't want the people around us. So what? there's an urgency like never before for us to go out there and to win the lost and to have them in church. You know the best way we get people into the church is by word of mouth. By you going out and sharing the gospel and touching lives and and just believing. I had a guy I haven't seen for two years and I saw him for ten minutes two years ago. And I hadn't seen him for, for about ten years before that. He called me up out of the blue just this weekend and said, I need to come and talk to you. He came in my office today said, Pastor Philip, my life's a wreck. Would you pray for me? And I led him back to God. Isn't that fantastic? That's the testimony that each one of us and every one of us needs to happen in our lives, that people are hunting us down and saying, I need to talk to you. Come on, I need you to help me. But um, they, they can't hunt us down if they don't have anything to hunt us down for. Come on, how will they know unless we tell them? We need to be a light in darkness and we need to be an example to those around. I pray that's helped you tonight. Is that okay? Is, uh, is your head spinning? Are you kind of knocked out? And again, if you've got any questions or anything, go on the website, email us, talk to us. We love your questions. But we just want to give you an overview. And again, I'm not an expert. If I messed up and made some mistakes, then I'm sorry. Check it out for yourself. We're giving you all the scriptures so you can look for yourself and see it firsthand for yourself. But I really hope that helps. Anyone got any questions or anything you just want to throw out? Tamara? So what's the time period in between the three and a half years? 
It's, it's not really sure how long it's going to be. It's not going to be a long time period, and probably it's going to overlap just a little bit, but it's not, going to be, it's not going to be a great period of time because we hear of seven years of tribulation, and so what we're going to see is it's not going to be long in that for the power to come up and for those things to be wrong. So how long that is, it's not actually given to us, but it's probably not going to be a sustained period of time. It's probably going to be months and it's not going to be for them to come because he's going to have such influence. It's not going to take them long to go out and force worship and force the mark and to all these. And really, to be honest with you, a lot of things that's happening in all of this outside of the judgments of God, a lot of things are preparing for this. We just see it listed here, but there's going to be a vein of this that's going to be prepared through this. So when this is revealed, it's not really going to be new. It's going to be something that they're going to be accept and then work into. And Does that make sense? So it's not like one day, bam, this is all going to happen. This is going to happen, the break of the covenant. But then all these kind of things, the mark of the beast, all those things are going to be kind of working their way into place, I really think, and setting up for that. Anyone else? I have a question about um, the Illuminati's. Okay. I've heard my son's friends talking about Satan is actually the good guy, uh, the brother of Christ, and um, a lot of the movie stars and stuff are worshiping the, you know, the like um, Jay Z and Beyonce's and you know things like that, and they sacrifice people on the behalf of the Illuminati religion. And again. You know, these people, they are deceived with the scriptures we talked about. The lawlessness has already started. That's what it's talking about. Because the Bible is very clear that Satan is a fallen angel. He's a fallen being. It's very distinct in the fact that every knee is going to bow. He has to bow and confess. In fact, that scripture has already happened. Satan's already confessed that Christ is Lord. And because he's already acknowledged the fact that he's Lord. And so when you look at all those kind of religions, Again, a lot of these things that are set up in places, today if it feels good, most people are going to take it on. If it sounds good, and and here, if it fits into their life, they like that. And you've got to remember this, the gospel doesn't fit into our lives, we fit into the gospel. And when we start taking the word of God and try to fit it to our needs, that's when we fall into problems. Our needs are fulfilled when we put our lives in God. So to answer a lot of this, Scientology, all these kind of things, it's a deception that's trying to take man away from God. And it's trying to make deities and make rulers of even like um, religions like Jehovah's Witness and all these kind of things. They don't deny Christ, but they don't accept him as Christ. He, he was a prophet. He was a good man. He lived. They don't, because a lot of the people would be foolish to say Christ doesn't live because it's proven. There's more proven of him ever living on this earth, more written about him than anyone else. So you cannot deny that. So what do they try to deny is his deity, his Christness, and and the fact that he is God. So all these kind of things where they worship anything else apart from God. There's two religions in this world, and that is this, the religion of I and the religion of the cross. And the religion of the cross is not a religion, it's a relationship. But everything else is what can I do? It's built on I. If I do this, if I like this, if I buy this, if I go to this. Christianity is nothing about what we do, but what he's done. 
And it's acceptance in that and having faith in God. So again, all these things, they're so popular. They look good. They feel good. But I'm telling you, it's just absolute deception because there is not one good thing the Bible says in Satan. He's the father of lies. He wrote the book. There is, he's incapable of telling the truth. There's no good in him. It's darkness. It's emptiness. So if we're going to worship anything like that, then we've got to realize we're worshiping complete darkness and not the light of God. Great question. Great question. I hope that answered your question. Anyone else? Anyone else tonight? I want to thank every one of you for your interest. Let's just stand together tonight. And... Um, You know, how I want to close everything tonight is this. I just want each one of you, just where you're at right now, just to bow your head. Can you do that? And I want you to ask yourself a question tonight. I want you to ask yourself a question. And here's the first question I want you to ask yourself tonight. Am I fearful of what's going to take place? Come on. Am I fearful of what's going to take place? And I'm telling you right now, if your answer to the fact that I'm fearful about what's going to take place. And you can say, my answer is, yes, I am. There's fear in my life. You know what's missing in your life? Is relationship. I didn't say you weren't a Christian, but what I'm saying is this. You're allowing fear to take the place of God in your life. You're allowing fear to take the place of relationship with Him. Because the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. You know what God is? God is love. The Bible says that he's, you cannot separate God from love because love is God. First John tells us that, that God is love. It's very specific with that. So if there's love in our life, there should be no place for fear in our life. And how do we remove the fear? By being in a greater relationship with God. Yes. By working on our relationship. Because you know there's a lot of people who are saved. But God doesn't want us just to be saved. He wants us to be living saved. You know there's a difference. So there's people who just have made a confession to Christ. But you know what? We need to be living that confession. Because salvation is not just a decision. It's a walk. It's a walk with God. And tonight, wherever you're at, come on, just bow your heads right now. Come on, just in your own words. Why not just say to God, you know what, God? I want such a relationship with you. Come on, I, I, want such a, I want to be in such relationship with you that I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be concerned. I don't have to be worried. But God, I give my life to you and I trust you with everything. And the Bible speaks about those who cry out on the name of the Lord. They're going to be saved. God's going to hear you cry. And that love of God coming into your heart is going to drive out all fear from around you. God, I thank you tonight that your love casts out all fear. I thank you and you. We have relationship. We have power. We have future. We have hope. And God, what we need to be bracing ourselves for right now is preparing for a great outpouring of your spirit. And God, we need to be preparing ourselves to be part of that move that's going to bring about the rapture and the end of this world. And God, we thank you that, God, we can live ready and be ready and prepared in you. God, we thank you, God, that it's not by our works, but by our faith. But as a result of our faith, works are produced from that. And God, we will do because of who we are. And God, help us, God, to be in right relationship with you. We love you. We praise you. We, we just adore you in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. 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 
like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master, Savior, I just want.